Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. Talk radio with the best host in the business. 
Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. We're here so that your voice can be heard more than just a few blocks from your home. Your voice will be given an opportunity to encourage and inspire those who just don't understand the hardship that we're going through during this day and age. It is important that we recognize that we have to be prepared and ready to fight against the tyranny that exists in our country, fight against the rule of law that is not fairly distributed amongst its citizens. Talk today, we're going to talk about the imprisonment of nearly uh, more than 2,300,000 individuals. We presently are spending nearly $30,000 a year to house inmates in our country, but want to only pay a few thousand to educate our kids. It's important that we realize 
that we are doing something when we imprison the most citizens in the world that this is not a gauge that we should feel good about. We need to reevaluate our prison system and determine if we are doing something wrong. We need to uh, determine whether or not our criminal laws are treating our citizens in the best situation. We need to find out whether or not we need to reevaluate the way we treat individuals and the type of punishment people ought to be given and whether or not we ought to be imprisoning people who are over the age of 80 years. There's so much we need to evaluate when we find our position. How much money should we be spending to help inmates get the kind of skills that could possibly keep them out of jail? It is a very disheartening situation to recognize that people go in with less education than when they leave out, that they are not allowed uh, to do better, gain more skills while they're locked up. We need to be trying to find a way to take advantage of capturing that time and helping them to do better than just increasing their strength and increasing their criminal knowledge. We need to get to the point where we can help these people take control of their anger and overcome their impulsion to do illegal activity. We need to do better by those who are not locked up to help them to go in a different direction than the ones they maybe have chosen. Our country is not doing what it should be doing when we're locking up 2.3 million people annually. I don't think spending $30,000 on an inmate per year, bringing back the kind of return on our investment. We need to be seeking to do better and help more people to find their way through this maze that is presently entrapping them. There's no reason why our focus should be on locking people up and throwing away the key when we know the majority of those people are going to be released. We need to be helping them become a better citizen by helping them gain the skills that can feed them versus having them squander their freedom by being locked up. We need to find money to spend on our kids while they're in school to better help them direct 
that part of themselves that have made in jail. There's no reason for this continuous circle that leads them right back to spending time locked up. We truly need to discuss what it is about our system that does not solve the problem but enhance the problem as these young men and women get older. Why are we insisting on giving kids the tools for violence but not helping them to get the mindset that will take them in a different direction? This is what we're going to discuss and talk about today is how do we decrease the number of incarcerated adults and help these people change their lives while in jail so they don't return. We're going to take a little time or break for right now, but we want to discuss how do we save our children from a lifetime of misery in incarceration. You know I love music, and every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun, but it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to... Keep your head. 
This is James T. Deshaye, the host of Talk, Love, and Reflection, brought to us by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. You know, it has to be something you're doing wrong when you incarcerate the most people there is in the world. You could suggest that your police department is doing a good job. You can suggest that your prosecutors are doing well when they go to court. You can suggest that uh, you are doing a good job of uh, keeping people away from the general public. But the fact is that the majority of those 2.3 million people have found themselves in a situation where they felt like they had no other choice. And it is an obligation of society to give the give people the ability and the tools that are necessary to keep themselves out of incarceration. Every child that is born should be given the tools and the ability to feed themselves and their families. So that's obviously something we're doing wrong when we find ourselves locking young people up at a rate that is higher than any other country in the world. We must be missing something that we're not doing correctly that requires a self-evaluation when we have more people in jail than the total population of North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Wyoming. That says something about who we are as a nation when you can put four states together and you have more people incarcerated than the total population of those people in those states. So, Cheryl, why won't don't we come eye to eye about what it is that we're doing wrong when we are putting so many people in jail for such long periods of time? Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? Um, you know, as I was listening to you and even talking about the statistics about um the cost to jail individuals based upon what is being put out and not put out for education for um, our children. Um, It was just eye-opening. But also, you know, one of the things that you said about why, what can we do as far as to make it better for individuals once they come out. Um, Not only that is the amount of individuals that are being jailed. Um, Some of the things that we can do um, is teaching, you know, being educated more in the jails. Um, we have so many different problems that they're going in jail because of, and a lot of it stems to 
you know, being angry about whatever life has dealt them and not being able to um, manage their lives. So you have management, um, you know, learning how to manage your life, um, just different skills that you would need to implement, you know, coming back into society. I mean, if we if we as taxpayers going to spend this amount of money to jail um, individuals, you want to definitely see something positive out of it, meaning the outcome. But if they're just being jailed just to be housed and come out just angry, almost acting like animals, then there's no type of reform that um, that has taken place. Um, I just feel like, you know, we're putting individuals in jail. The crime does not fit the punishment in a lot of cases. Then another thing you mentioned, should we jail those that are 80 years and older? I think that's a little bit old, you know, also based upon what the crime is. Um, I can't see them being that much of a risk unless it has to do with um, murder. Um, you have, I guess you asked so many questions, and there's so many things that was going on in my mind, you know, from one thing to the next. And how do we manage this, and what do we do about our situation right now? But, um, and I think, you know, we kind of talked about reform, and I think Nate mentioned um if I'm not mistaken, him or either D mentioned some type of reform program that there is in jail. But I'm going to tell you, I know an individual, a young guy, I don't know him personally. He's in jail, and he's an angry person. All he's doing is fighting in jail. He's getting asked to, um, he's able to get a hold to drugs, um, phones, um some of the same things that you can get on the outside. So I can see very well that he is definitely a risk to come out because there's nothing to be, nothing being taught, no tools um, to teach him anything once he is eligible for parole or, or have served his time. What do we do then? You know, so there's a lot of um a lot of questions and I guess it's one thing at a time, you know, I guess when we discuss is that what what's being done and I'm not sure, um, you know, and you can probably tell me a whole lot and us a whole lot better. Are there different programs? Um, how are the prisoners being acceptable to the programs and whether they're willing to be teachable or not teachable. What's the percentage amount that is not willing to participate to better themselves compared to the percentage that's just being satisfied, just being there and living from day to day there? 
You know, it is a major issue related to how much you can mandate a person participate in programs. You definitely need to make programs uh, have some type of uh, encouraging value to it other than just the information itself. Uh, But first, we have to come to grips with that we are locking too many people up for things that are shouldn't be necessarily a criminal offense. Uh, we may need to expand those things that we consider to be minor offenses uh, that have a community service component to it or a fine to it. We cannot continue to lock up uh, those people who are poor with longer sentences than those who may have a way to get better lawyers. We have to evaluate these things on a regular basis so we don't have a lot of people incarcerated who are not violent offenders and who need a mechanism or a program to assist them to get out of the criminal revolving door. But when we're not willing to put money into a system and we're just saying throw away the key, we're going to find ourselves with this con- the number one incarceration rate than any other nation. Um, Regina, it is just mind-boggling that we fu- we are so comfortable with incarcerating more people than any other country in the world, and we don't want to spend any money to help these people get a skill that would help them stay out of jail. Good evening. Um, you know, I it, it's sometimes it's interesting that every time that many times when we are talking about a subject, then somehow I've been educated on that subject because of a recent either occurrence or a recent meeting or something. But um, I've been going to several forums because we have a solicitor's race that is very contentious here in Columbia. And um, the, the solicitor is equal to you know, an attorney general in our area. And so I've been listening to statistics. And here we've been able to have um, a mental health court. We've been able to have um, children drug courts, adult drug courts, and these courts are made to help these folk, these offenders, find help as opposed to incarcerating them. And we have it for several other um, areas that's been working. 
Now, the interesting thing that I have found here in South Carolina, and it wasn't it wasn't passed, but uh, the legislators who were trying to pass it embedded a, a, a something, whatever you call it, under a in in where they wanted to pass a law, but they put the legislature additional legislation within a law that they wanted to pass that people, that the other legislators might have passed. This legislation was to not allow incarcerated men to have access to books. It was discovered because someone was reading it, reading the legislation, and it did not pass. But if we have this type of mentality for these people who are in and we're not giving them things that they can use, skills when they come out, once they come out, they're not going to be any better and they're going to just go back in. Also, we passed a ban the box where you cannot ask a person, have them to check off on an application whether or not they have been incarcerated. So that right there should help people get into job situations and hopefully deter them from going back to prison. So it's just a lot of different things. That's, this, this is so much. You know, one of the things we have to get a beyond is the need to assist people who've lost their way. There are some people who just don't believe we should help inmates at all, who somehow Mm -hmm. believe that money should be spent on other individuals. But I truly believe that we have to work toward helping every segment of our population because being fair some people just don't have the same breaks that others. And so that it has nothing to do with uh, your race or your gender. We have to recognize that some people start further behind and need some assistance in our society. So I feel okay about uh, reaching out and extending a hand of help to those who find themselves locked up, those who find themselves unable to follow the rules or the system uh, because of the environment in which they've grown up in, we have to recognize there are people who grow up in a certain environment who uh, start off not trusting the system in any shape, fashion, or form. We have young people who grow up with uh, the desire to wear certain kind of shoes or certain uh, shirts or certain jackets at all costs. Uh, And so we need to recognize there are people who have been um, absorbed by a system that tells them they have no value unless they wear a certain shirt or got a certain uh, earring in their ear. And these people need to get out of that uh, mental thinking and understand that they have an obligation to work for the things that they need. 
Well, good evening, everybody. And uh, James, uh, you know, um, the way you put that, um, it's almost like we have to catch the young people going forward um, as as they become hatchlings. As soon as they become of age to obtain some kind of understanding between right and wrong. Because once you are caught up in a mindset of underachieving, then uh, that person is subject to become part of that of the prison system or the, or the incarceration system. And listening to Miss Cheryl speak uh, a moment ago, um, you know uh, we we are brought to mind that the prison systems, the wardens, uh, the prison themselves, whether it be federal or state, uh, they are a hotel. And the warden or and the administration of those systems uh, profited will profit and benefit uh, uh, from the the occupants uh, by uh, by way of uh, state funding and having to uh, house and pay for the housing of these prisoners. So they they are not really interested in having the uh, the product uh, being able to come out and fend for themselves. Now, uh, from listening to um, David Higgins last week, as we was talking about uh, Malcolm X, and being as though that he obtained uh, some education and a new uh, will, and found a new will to live, a new purpose to live for in the prison system, uh, thanks to the, the, uh, the Nation of Islam. I think the Nation of Islam understood that. Uh, it's, you know, because a lot of brothers found is uh, found the Islamic belief in prison, and had it not been for the Nation of Islam being there, knowing knowing that, and giving them a new identity, um, and you know, especially if you have a felony, when you come out, you're you're pretty much done, unless you have some uh, some desire and some fortitude to um, to do something for yourself. And and uh, a lot of brothers that came out of prison and started their own business, they was of the Nation of Islam. Now, being as though that there's been a strong effort to eradicate, eradicate that from society, um, that that poses a new threat uh, for young people uh, having to go through the prison system, not knowing that it, it is a designed system to keep you in the system. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough to uh, have to be uh, incarcerated and 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 uh, under minor offenses, then the person would do themselves justice to straighten up and fly right from then on out. Because if you are the type to be hard-headed and have to be going through the revolving door, then each time you go through that door, you're gonna have a strike against your um, against you, and it's going to be harder for you to, to to try to find some stepping or some foundation to stand on once you've been in and out of the system. So, yes, it's by design. Uh, and, you know, uh, Ms. Regina, we're talking about legislators and things of that sort. Well, you know, in the year of exposure, a lot of people are in bed with a lot of different ugly things. Uh, you know, it's been kept from us about... Yeah. 
who their bed, who their bed partners are. So mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's a lot of ugly stuff going on. And uh, so be on your show and other shows like this one, which I don't know of any, but if there are, uh, we are compelled to enlighten these young people to let them know, you know, you know, you want to smoke your weed, that's fine, but you better find a re- you better find another uh, way of life. Cause it's my contention, Jesus, that nobody does as ever, does as well as they could have done under the influence of mind altering drugs. So it's best to be known. Going forward, thank you. Sorry, to take up so much time. You know, it's important that we ask ourselves what it is we want to accomplish related to uh, helping those people who find themselves incarcerated. Uh, We really need to evaluate whether or not our present system is working at a level that is, is acceptable. And so often we don't seem to sympathize with those people who find themselves in that particular situation. Uh, we we suggest uh, that they're on their own, and they need they need to uh, uh, figure out a way uh, to change their present situation. But I need to, I think, um, depending on how many years a person is in, in is locked up, whether or not that person should be entitled to some assistance once they leave. Uh, when you give God $100 once he leaves the jail, what in the world is he supposed to accomplish with $100? Well, what if you were to give him some additional incentive related to finding a job and keeping a job and also offering the employers uh, a way of reducing their taxes related to hiring these people, what about incentives to helping people get back into our social atmosphere? Cheryl, what would be wrong with committing or dedicating some resources to incentivize hiring of the people who've been incarcerated and keeping them in, in uh, working? What would be wrong with that? Nothing would because, you know, a lot of times, and we've all made mistakes in our lives. Um, Some have been caught and some haven't been caught. But, you know, when I say mistakes is that being able to have another chance at life and and regretting the you know the mistakes that you made, and I think that we make it so hard for each other to better themselves, and sometimes that's why we find individuals go right back in because you know every time they turn around, they're not accepted, but you know who are we to judge for a person who's really trying and want to start over? just because we may not have been caught at something that we may have done. Um, And I really believe that we can do better in that area, that we can um, make more provisions 
that once you're out of um, prison, that job opportunities. And, you know, sometimes you find that those that have learned the, their lesson are really more dedicated to the than ones that's out, you know, when they're working because they appreciate the opportunity. They know what it was like being in there. They're not going to miss work. Um, and I know quite a few like that, you know, that they're really dedicated to the jobs. Um, just like Regina was saying, you know, being able to have more things to reform um, and implement in these things so that once somebody do come out, that they have a better opportunity and, nece- and not necessarily taking off those boxes that would keep them from the job opportunities. So nothing is wrong with it. I think that we can um, make a way for um, others to be able to start over. Regina, I've heard about that law that you talk about, about not uh, questioning people about their criminal status or formal criminal status and that they have that in California as well. I'm not really sure if I think denying people what it is, your your past, is a proper way of uh, helping you know, employ, I think employers need to know, but even after knowing, they need to be given some incentive to to help people get back into the world. I'll tell you about a bad law they had here in the state of Florida. They implemented a law in the state of Florida that you could not work on any school construction site if you had a felony. And, um, a lot of people lost their job or lost opportunities because they were on construction companies and they had felonies. So you really are not helping uh, the student body or the students or our society when you are eliminating people, the opportunity to work, uh, because they're on a school site. And a lot of times these people did not even have access to the students uh, because they weren't they were in the construction areas. So you know, it's sometimes our elected officials are doing things, are making laws that may sound uh, good on the surface, but are impacting people who are trying to get their lives together. Those laws. Um that conversation about those laws evidently was well before we started having all of these school shootings because what is more dangerous or not asking that question what's more dangerous, but it seems as though we are equally in trouble when you have children being able to go to school with loaded weapons killing all across the school and I mean what's what's the difference in the um, you know in, in the danger there and I'll, I'll share, share another question that a friend of mine asked the solicitor when we were at a forum 
he um, made the statement that it takes $40,000 a year to house a prisoner. And if the prisoner is in a privatized prison, it's more than that, which the government is paying to house these prisoners. Where was that money? Where was that $40,000 before the prisoner, before the man, the human being, became incarcerated? So there is a system there that is funding and making folk rich. Remember now, these monies that are sitting in the coffers of the state are sitting there collecting interest also. So the United, so the, that state is making money off of these prisoners in addition to the whoever owns these private privatized jails making money off of prisoners. Will we ever get out of this cycle? And it's it, and it's understandable that there are things that are going on in our state uh, that we could solicit the help of some people who have found themselves incarcerated without a job uh, that we could allow them to do uh, that we don't have people doing. I know in the state of Florida, we have an issue with uh, pythons and other um types of lizards uh, that are not uh, from the, the uh, are not a part of the ecosystem in Florida. And so these things need to be eradicated from our environment. People buy these things, and when they get too big and too bothersome, they just let them go. And so we need to have these things eradicated. So there are a lot of different things that I know our elected officials are aware of uh, that we need done and can't really afford to do on the le- level of, of hiring companies to do that could provide some opportunity for people who are not um, employed. Uh, but we have to think smarter and stop trying to penalize everybody for every little thing. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we just have a lot of people arrested every day for minor offenses. And uh, we have to ask ourselves how important those things are uh, to really keeping our our population safe, D. Well, James, uh, you know, as you say that and uh, listen to everybody, um, you know, um, when I when I was uh, addicted to, to drugs, um, I went to, I had I went to rehab um, three three times, and on the fourth time, I got it right. Um, the other three times, and this and this is the point. Um, the other three times, I went for drug addiction, and I was going for the wrong reason. I was going for a drug addiction, but not behavior disorder. See, that's the difference. You know, when you when you talk about the prison system, 
um, uh, putting together programs and and things to uh, to write to try to help the people uh, that's going in and out of the prison system. Well, I'm going to put it to you like Chris Rock said in, in a stand-up one day. Uh, he was saying that um, they will never find a cure for AIDS because there's no money in the cure. The money is in the medicine. So and so, uh, so when you're talking about the prison system, they don't want to treat the behavior. And that, you know, if if they were to, if the case workers, uh, uh, if they would put faith back in the case working system and treat the behavior as opposed to the crime then they then they then they would they would, they would get better results but the prison system is to deal with the crime that was that was done not the behavior and so until they start to actually look at the behavior disorder and try to uh write that situation, you know, and, and so when I finally went to a different program, and it was a comprehensive program, big word, when you're dealing with behavior disorder, to comprehend why you're doing it, and 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 the, and the steps and things that you need to write to come out better on the other side. So the prison system has no interest in correcting that. Because the money is in the revolving door, you know. So uh, when it comes in now, so you know, and on the state by state level, you know, some states are red, some states are blue. The red states, and I don't care if they don't like what I'm about to say. The red states don't care if the prisoner get better or not, because they understand that they all get paid in some, in some fashion or another, and. With the with the person, the percentages of the prisoners that are in jail, to keep them out of the community anyway, they they well and good with all of that. So, um, so it, it's going to take a, a different mindset and a better understanding of what the illness really is. You know, when you when you spoke about uh, the, uh, the, uh, the financial difficulties that these individuals have, and they seek to Try to try to make a big a fast buck, or and and you spoke about you know giving the the guy a hundred dollars when you get out of jail. Now you know that's bait money, right? Because if you've been in jail for any length of time, and they don't give you no, nothing but a hundred dollars, what you would been go do with that hundred dollars is go get you some crack rock, or you gonna get you some alcohol, and when that hundred dollars is gone, mad as hell. And you got to find some more money, because a hundred dollars, it, 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 you can't you can't find a place to stay for a week with a hundred dollars. So that that's bait money, and it, it, and that's very unfortunate that that is the norm. But um, you know, and I just want to express that. Thank you. It is my understanding that not only do they 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 only give you a hundred dollars. They take you down to the nearest bus station. And so my my idea is there's one or two things that need to happen. If you have an obligation to take a person from where he is 
to where you need to incarcerate him, why don't you have that same obligation to take him back to a community where he desires to be? Uh, I'm not sure I understand why you are not as equally obligated uh, to take him back to Miami, if that's where you got him from, or anywhere else he want to be uh, to start his life over, or where, if he's got he's paroled and he got to go eat. I just don't understand why you we find it not necessary to uh, to relocate these people and try to get them an opportunity to start over if we really care about them being successful. Cheryl, I just I just don't get the the thought process that goes into saying, okay, we're going to give you some clothes. They got clothes they let them pick from if they don't have their own clothes. And then they take them to the nearest bus stop and give them $100. I mean, that that how can we look at that as a way of assisting somebody to start over? It's not a way to start over. I mean, you know, we can barely make it off of $100 on a daily basis with the expenses that we have. I mean, you come out of prison, you have nothing, nowhere to go, and all you have is $100, that's going to leave you in the streets homeless. Then you're going to be, somebody going to want to pick you up again because you're out here in the streets, not because um, you want to be, but because of circumstances. And it becomes a cycle, and they know that. They know that once you in, you come out a while because a lot of times you say, you know, when you seeing somebody come out, you'll say, okay, we'll see you, um, we'll see you back again in here in about six months. And what it is is they're being set up for failure. It's it's discouraging, um, it's depressing, and coming back to jail, at least you know you can eat, at least you know you're being housed. So that's what I see, you know, being set up for failure. And, you know, D made some valid, valid points. And, you know, and I say that all the time, too, about what you're being um, treated for at the different times that he went to prison. And each time, you know, what was dealt with and until the issue was dealt with to keep you from going back in, you was going to go back in over and over again. And that's why it's so important to have these tools available, you know, and, I mean, they got enough time in there to look at what the source of the problem is. It's not like it's a a, um, a two-week ordeal and, you know, you in and you out and we couldn't help you. You in there for a while, long enough to be able to really do what the issue is. Because just like that, I know I knew somebody that was heavily on drugs. They went to a, um, a, a rehab, but now they are off of drugs, but all the underlying issues there they still there you know not having the coping skills not having 
um, the diff- other different skills to be able to be successful in society. And with the amount of time, you know, when you're in college, it don't it takes you less time to get a degree than the time that you're in prison. So you can't tell me that you can't implement some of these um be able to get better individuals once they're coming out. Now, I understand that everybody, that it's not going to work for everybody, but I can see the majority of individuals, you know, um, helping them to understand why they really are in there. It's not about the drugs. It's not about the stealing. It's not about what is the the source, what caused you to behave in the way that you behave. So yeah, there is there is room for improvement. It would be much, much better and I think, you know, coming out and only giving you uh a few pennies is just setting you back up for failure and being a part of the system all over again. And that's what they're looking at. Oh, they'll be back, you know, because um, they know where it's more comfortable. And they're not prepared. You're not mentally, you're not um, prepared to go out here. Because if you go out the same way you came back in, nine times out of ten, you're going to come back in again. So you got to do something different in order to expect something different once you go out there. Because if you go out there with the same knowledge, the same information, you're going to... Um, wind up doing the same things that you did before until you can really get a grasp on it. And that's where being educated and um, given the proper tools that's needed in order to be able to make it out here. Yeah, and and Regina, let me ask you, you know, we're always watching our states trying to solve issues and problems and our state of Florida went from a state hospital situation where people had mental issues and they went to all these different um, state hospitals to a place where they were helping people um, in neighborhoods and they had these different little small uh, uh, companies or organizations that provided residential treatment uh, on a small level. But then policemen are finding themselves uh, just arresting a lot of people for disorderly conduct or sleeping on a park bench or uh, uh, because they are schizophrenic. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, why, why do we allow jail to be our mental hospitals right now? James, I told you, <laughs> every question you ask. Here in South Carolina, because they cut the mental health, um, no, I'm sorry, Medicaid funding, um, our governor did not accept that money. So we had to cut a tremendous amount of of um, medical Abuses for that we would have used Medicaid for. One of those 
that got hit the hardest was mental health. So now, believe it or not, within our prisons, we have mental health hospitals for the prisoners. So before we can keep someone outside of prison who we know needs mental health care, they will lock that person up in order for that person to get the assistance that they need through um, the mental health facility within a prison. That's because the monies are going to the prisons. Um, Another, James, I sent you a link to an article. Did you get it? Sean King made us aware of the man who they let out early, and now they have him going back to jail. Mm -hmm. I sent you that link. I don't know if you got that. Okay, I look for it. That link. But but, um, another thing I've noticed is if the men who are and women who are getting out of jail have nothing to look forward to, nothing to work for, if their family relationships have been severed, they have nothing to come out and work hard for. So they get that mentality of, well, I can go back to jail, get three meals, have some place to sleep, and have people around me. As crazy as that may seem, those folks have become like family. And because they've been away from their family outside that they were, you know, their blood relatives, they don't have that that connection anymore. So it's a psychological thing. We're also not preparing. We're not allowing. It's just so much that, that's happening. And do you know, as far as the the, um, the the drugs, do you know that we have such a huge problem in the jails with drugs? We cannot, it, it's almost senseless to try to help them to get off of drugs when we have just as bad of a problem with drugs being tra- trafficked into the jail system as we have stopping them, stopping them outside of the jail. Remember now, we just had this huge riot here and seven inmates were killed. It's horrible. Well, one of the, problem, well, one of the problems I think along with uh, the the fact that we do have some um we have some uh, some corrections officers who are providing drugs to um the the inmates one of the major problems is we don't communicate to the outside world exactly what is going on in our drug in our in our jail system. Some of our young people will be deterred from going to jail and doing the things that are to get them in jail if they knew that everybody who has a short sentence still is not coming out alive. Uh, I recently uh, was told by my daughter 
that a young man that once lived with her uh, died at, in at, in his twenties in jail. And so, see, you you know, there's not not only are they dying because of the violence, they're dying because you're talking about being in an environment that always don't provide you with the proper care. These people are not looking. Uh, to make sure you're remaining healthy. And so a lot of of uh, diseases and uh, ailments that would be caught on the outside uh, because your stomach is hurt and you just go quickly go to the doctor uh, and he, he's willing to, to look uh, at every possible aspect, you're not receiving that same care in the jail system. So we need to relate to our students at an early age the kind of things that are going on in these places to help them not necessarily want to go. And those who have a short-term sentence need to be helped uh, to not to return. And along with that, D, does everybody need to go down, go to jail for every dimension? a public disturbance, uh, maybe there needs to be a place where you just go uh, for a few hours or a day uh, that is based on the nature of the uh, offense. Why should a person end up in jail for a, we talked about a man who went to jail because of a, a, um, a, a, a check that was deemed fraudulent but then found it was good who was in jail for over the weekend and lost his job. There seems to be too many people just lost, locked up for insignificant things. Well, hopefully that man got his job back. Uh, hopefully he was able to um, prove that uh, there was a mistake in the charges against him and the, the, his job uh, found it necessary to give him his job back. Hopefully that was the case. Uh, but pertaining to your other question, uh, you know, um, the 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 cops on the on the street uh, have to funnel the system to, in order to make it work. So you know, if if our theory is correct that the prison system is corrupt in in its own way then, yes, the cop on the beat is part of the system, and they have to funnel the product to get them to where the system works. Um, now, uh, on on a broader spectrum, if I may be allowed to say so, you know, we was talking about the other day uh, how it is, how we uh, are expecting the basketball players and the uh, people of influence, black people of influence to take a stand and do something about uh, this injustice that's, that's done us by uh, by the law system or, or in, in, in law enforcement. And, and we all have come to a point to realize and to be honest to the fact that we uh, ne- uh, neglected our own community uh, for some time, letting them raise themselves and letting them do their own thing. Uh, my point is that, you know, this is one of those things where we have to right the wrong, where we let 
our community slide through the cracks. And uh, my point is, you know, as long as we are breathing, especially those of us on this phone, as long as we are breathing, uh, it is our mission to to let our young people understand, to get that, to help them to understand, to find a way, which is which is a which is a job in itself. The job for us is to be able to uh, communicate to them, communicate with them as opposed to talking at them. Now that's a job in itself because they are they are of the mindset that anything that anybody can say to them is a threat. So that makes our job astronomical in trying to save our own children. And so I think, you know, as long as we are breathing because, you know, our our legacy depends on whether or not we come to a way or come or find a way to communicate with our own kids. And so um you know so everything that we are saying, we as an we as adults, we know this. You know, uh, you know when you when you spoke about um, going into the rehab system and coming out different. Let me tell you, once I uh, found the real program and 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 found my way, I was afraid to come out. It was a three month program. I think I, I stayed in that I stayed in that boy a year and a half. Because I was afraid to come out. I was afraid to come out to touch the ground again because my other efforts had failed. And so um, so we have to uh, shock them. You know, back in the day, there used to be this program, Scared Straight, and that shocked me. We got to find a way to shock them to when they get to be past the age of 25 because I think most of them don't, live, don't, don't expect to live no longer than 30. If they if you're dirty to them, you're an old man. So we have to find a, a, a way to guide them to be the beacon, to be the the searchlight, where they can find their way to the new to the new promise. I mean, we just it's just like that, you know. Life life ain't never been as good as it is for me right now. And I got this saying, you know, life is good if you ever learn how to live it. And so we got to show them how to do that. Thank you. All right, we're going to uh, take a break, and we're going to come back and allow everyone to have their last, uh, their final say for this evening.
got the whole thing working out so right. And it's just the way we planned it.
um, that everything is ran by a business, you know, in a business manner. And it's not really ran in a way to help the individuals on personal levels. Um, although they may have some things in place, there is in need of so much more. So with all of that being said, whatever we do, we can always do more. All right. Uh, D, what is your final thought this evening? Uh, another great show, James. And thank you for uh, taking the time to do it. Um, I think my last words are, you know, um, you know, it, it we we want to think that uh, society and uh, and the government has our best interest at hand. Uh, after all, we are the votes the voters that put them there. But some things are set in stone where uh, we can't seemingly do a lot about it. Uh, in that, I think it's it's ref- it's refreshing to know that we can change our behavior to try to avoid some of the pitfalls in life as opposed to uh, uh, the, uh, counting on the odds to be in our favor. I think that's a huge mistake. So in that, uh, I think it's, it's best to try to avoid the pitfall and educate one another to try to avoid those uh, adversities. Thank you. You know, I just want to continue to thank all of you for your continued support. Please continue to call in and let us have your voices heard on thoughts, love, and reflection. We need everyone to find the time to call into the show and make people understand that we need to talk about the issues that are happening around our country so that we can find solutions to those problems. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And look forward to you being a a major part of this show. Take care, everybody, and we will see you uh, tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thoughts, Love, and Reflections. Call in at 657-383-0309 so your voice can be heard.
Is the light in armor bright, faithful and true? 